we're going to study tonight the book of Habakkuk, okay? It's a fascinating book, fascinating book. And uh, I want to I read a little bit, so go to chapter 1 of Habakkuk, uh, and then we'll, we'll sort of take, take, a, uh, take a walk through this book and do some explanations of it, okay? So why don't we do this right now? Let's read, we'll pray, and then we'll get into our study. Habakkuk chapter 1 and verse number 1, the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear, even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save? What dost thou show me? Uh, why dost thou show me iniquity, and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me, and there are that raise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slacked, and judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous, therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. Behold ye among the heathen in regard, and uh, wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days, which ye will not believe, though it be told you. For lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. Their horses also are swifter than the leopards and are more fierce than the evening wolves. And their horsemen shall spread themselves and their horsemen shall come from far. And they shall fly as the eagle that hasteth to eat. They shall come all for violence, their faces shall sup up as the east wind, and they shall gather the captivity as the sand. They shall scoff at the kings, and the princes shall be a scorn unto them, and they shall uh, deride every stronghold, for they shall heap dust and take it. Then shall his mind change, and he shall pass over and offend, imputing this his power unto his little g god let's pray father help us open our hearts i'm thankful to be here today thankful for every person that's gathered grateful for them and those that are tuned in we had our prayer list earlier and we we think of those that are so much in need of our prayers we love kim alan bless her lord i pray help her give her what she needs bless leah lord and and be with her uh, and the baby and uh, god just just all of those that are gone on vacation the things that we have need of in our own lives, Lord, do thy work. Bless us as we get ready for this Sunday. I know we've got visitors that have already been uh, announced, and they're going to be here, and so it's going to be a great day, and we're looking forward to it. We thank you for the facilities we're in, and pray that you would work and bless and God and direct our hearts and our steps. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, let me just take a moment, because I think this is a fascinating, uh, I think this is a p fascinating study of the of the prophets that we've studied thus far okay we um i think it's become obvious that the backgrounds of the men uh that god has called have different backgrounds and varying personalities you can see some of the personalities as god uses them it doesn't mean that they're controlling the narrative 
they're moved by the Holy Ghost of God. But if I pick up a red pen and, 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 and I pick up a blue pen, the writing of the pen is, is a different color. So I'm just simply saying, it doesn't mean that God just simply uh, totally annihilates uh, personal traits in a person as he uses them to write every word that is inspired. And so we, we catch some of their personalities that he uses them even in his service. And you know what I'm so thankful for? I'm so thankful that God doesn't pull people off the assembly line to do his work. I'm grateful that God allows differing personalities and things like that. And, and you may be here tonight feeling like, well, I don't think God can use me. He absolutely can and will if you'll make yourself available to him. And he wants to use you. And that's the amazing thing that he would use any of us is absolutely amazing. And so I'm grateful for that. Now, let, let, let's just, let, me, let me just make you, let me give you some examples. First of all, there was one that was untrained, and that was Amos, okay? Remember that Amos said in chapter 7, verse 14 and 15, he said, I was no prophet, neither was I a prophet's son, but I was a herdman and a gatherer of sycamore fruit. And so, so he said, and, as the Lord, and the Lord took me as I followed the flock, and the Lord said unto me, Go prophesy unto my people Israel. So this guy was a, this guy was a, he was a, he was a shepherd, okay? He was a herdman. And yet God reached down and said, okay, you haven't had any formal training. It's not like, you, it's not like your life has been dedicated to the prophetic ministry. You're just a shepherd, but I want you to know I have chosen you, and I want to use you. And I'm, great, I'm just so grateful for that. And I've said this before. The reality of the matter is, I've experienced this, that a lot of times it's the guy that has the greatest potential that oftentimes uh, is not the one that has the greater impact simply because of the fact that sometimes they trust in their own skill sets, their own articulation, their ability to frame words and become eloquent. And, and, and remember Paul said to the church, I, I didn't reach out to you with swelling words of men's wisdom. It's not what I did. I just gave you the book straight. And so that's what we need more desperately than anything. So here's a guy. He's a herdsman. God said, I'm going to use you. One of them rebelled against the call of God. He was called but rebelled. What was his name? Jonah. Okay, and we know that the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, uh, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah, but, no, circle that word but, but, what does that mean? Something else is fixing to happen, okay? There's a contrast on the horizon. God said, go to Nineveh. I, I've seen their wickedness. You go to Nineveh, and you cry out against Nineveh. But Jonah said, huh, uh, I'm not going to Nineveh. And there were uh, multiple reasons why. We won't go back into that. But the Bible says in verse 3 that Jonah rose up to flee into Tarsus. Why is he fleeing? From the presence of the Lord. I'm going as fast as I can in the opposite direction of what God does. Can I, can, I, can I just say this to you again? I know I've said it before. But I see myself on Highway 80, Tybee Road, going from Savannah, Georgia to Tybee Island, where Savannah Beach is located. Okay? I see myself in my Mercury Comet 1963, got an 8-track tape player, and uh, Earl Shribes, 1995, sky blue, paint job, and I'm just rolling on. You know where I'm going? I'm going to a basketball practice. It's the second season. I played two seasons every year of basketball. I'm going to my second season of basketball, okay? These young men were just asking me earlier for a tape of my playing so that they could learn. 
it's not Pistol Pete basketball, it's Dynamite Dino. But anyhow, no. So, so I'm, go, I, I'm like them, I love ball. So I'm going for my second season of basketball, but let me tell you what I'm doing. It, it, where, where was Jonah going? Jonah, Jonah was going um, to Tarshish, but that's not really where he was going. It's not where he was headed, it's, it's what he was running from, the presence of the Lord. So that night, on my way to basketball practice, uh, to another basket, it was actually a game, on, on my way to another basketball game, um, I, was, I was going to Tybee Island, but I was actually running from the presence of the Lord. And the rear end in my, the rear end in my um, Mercury Comet locked up. That's another story that I'll tell you at some point. But my rear end of my, my Mercury Comet locked up, and all of a sudden I'm seeing palm trees and marsh grass, and, you know, I'm just going in circles. And that really sort of symbolized my life. And when my car came to a stop there at the marsh and the smoke's pouring out from underneath it, I knew, I knew right away what God was doing in my life. And right there, right there I bowed my head and said, Lord, whatever you want, I'm, I'm on, I'm in. Sign me up, I'll do it. Sometimes God has to pursue us. And that's what he did with Jonah. So we have a prophet that was a shepherd that, that was not trained for anything. And God said, I'm going to use you, Amos. Then we have a guy that God said, I'm going to use you. And he said, I don't want to be used. Uh, no, thank you. You know, we're, we're going to use you. No, thank you. And so he heads in the opposite direction and God runs him down. Okay. And he winds up in Tarshish, great, uh, uh, in Nineveh. It's a great story with all that. A lot of stuff to learn there. And then some were fearful. So you think of Jeremiah. Here's a guy that is known as the weeping prophet. You, you would think of Jeremiah, if you recall correctly, his heart is broken. In fact, Jeremiah's heart was so tender that he wrote the book of Lamentations. Lamentations. What, what's the root word of that? Lament. Okay? He lamented the condition of the people that he saw, particularly his own people. And so he's known as the weeping prophet. He said, mine eye affecteth my, my heart affecteth my eye. What I see, it, I... And he said, tears run down, tears run down like rivers. And so this is a guy that's emotionally moved by what he sees. And, and in chapter number 1, verse 6 and uh, 7 and 8, he says, uh, God called him to prophesy, and he said, Oh, Lord God, I cannot speak, I'm, I'm, I, for I'm a child. Lord, I don't know how to do this. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not mature enough to deal with the problems you've called me to do. But the Lord said, Say not unto me, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Listen to this. Be not afraid of their faces. Be not afraid of their faces. Do you know that John Westy, every time he went and preached, uh, that she could make it, his wife came and sat and scowled at him? That was his wife. Somebody said, Wesley traveled more. Wesley traveled more than any evangelist in the history of the early church. Well, if you've been married to her, you'd travel a lot too. And so, I mean, literally she came and scowled at him, made faces at him while he preached. And, and yet, what does the Bible say uh, to Jeremiah? Be not afraid of their faces. Now watch this. Why? For I am with thee. Don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of them, for I am with thee. So that's what he says to, to Jeremiah. To deliver thee, saith the Lord. Okay, so three, three prophets, all right? So, so uh, Amos, not, wasn't, wasn't a prophet anyhow, just a shepherd. God said, I'm going to use you. Um, uh, he, he said to Jonah, I want to use you. Jonah said, don't want to be used. And Jonah hit the trail. God chased him down. Jeremiah said, I'm afraid to speak. And God said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. Trust in me. I'm there, and I'm going to use you. Now, the fascinating thing about Habakkuk, 
Okay, so, so look with me, jump, jump back with me. All right, go back. Habakkuk chapter 1. All right, let's look, let's look at the very beginning. The burden which Habakkuk, the who? The prophet. So Habakkuk identifies himself immediately as, as a prophet. And perhaps, if you, study, if you study the history of the Old Testament, you'll find out that, that, that there were, according to history, Sometimes it's hard to find in the scripture, but, but they are identified, not in one verse. But there were six different places um, to where there were what we call schools of the prophet. There were six different places. Where, and and in, the Bible, in the Bible, they're called the sons of the prophet. doesn't mean that they were all children of a prophet. It means simply that they were... They were um, they were the lineage of the prophets. So these are the sons of the prophets, and they're places that they're being trained, six different schools where they're being trained to be honest and decent men. Uh, and so Habakkuk identifies himself as a prophet. So we don't know, but perhaps it is that he was trained officially, formally trained in one of the schools of the prophets. He also says in chapter 3, verse 1, a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet uh, upon Shigianoth. Okay, so, so twice he identifies himself as, uh, as a prophet. Now, everybody with me? Raise your right hand. Thank you so much. Okay, here we go. Here's the job of a prophet. What is the job of a prophet? The job of a prophet is to deliver the word of God to the person, sometimes it was just a person, most of the time it was to people. More often than not, it was Israel. Not always, but more often than not, it was Israel. So the job of the prophet was to deliver the word of God to whom it was intended. And listen to me, it's just as simple as that. You don't craft it, you, you don't manipulate it, you don't make it more palatable. Well, you know what, I think that's sort of rough. I think I'll just change some words here and tone this thing down a little bit to be more palatable for people. You didn't have the right to do that. You had to deliver the Bible, you had to deliver the Word of God as God gave it. And, and, and I, love, I love what it says um, uh, in uh, the book of Ezekiel where God says, God says, drop my word, okay? Drop my word. And so what that literally means is just simply this. Take the word that I have given you to give to them and drop it. What does that mean? Don't pick it back up. Don't apologize. Don't, don't, don't try to spoon feed it. God said, go to the people, and what I say to them, you just tell them exactly what I said and leave it alone. I think today that one of our problems is we spend too much time trying to make things palatable for people that don't really want to hear the Word of God anyhow. And so, so what, what, what my job is to do on Sunday morning is to take what God's given me and, and just lay it out. Just, just put it out there and, you know, um, and hopefully uh, it's as simple as that. Uh, now, it wasn't easy. I said it was simple. It wasn't easy because in Jeremiah's case, he had every reason to fear the people, because he wound up in a dungeon. They threw him in, he would have died if it hadn't been for a slave that rescued him. In Jonah's case, certainly, Jonah had every reason to, to fear going to Nineveh. So it's, you know, Jonah just should have gone and said, zippity-doo-dah, this is what God said. No, he's afraid for his life. Th these were bad people. 
uh, he was going to. Uh, Nabo was over at my house today, and uh, I, I brought him over to let him help clean up my motorcycle a little bit. I'm putting it in a show Saturday. So, so we watched Story TV, and it, one of the things he learned today is the, the word vandalize, or, you know, they're vandals. Where does that come from? It actually came from a tribe of people that were bad to the bone. I mean, they, they were not as organized nor as powerful as Rome, but they brought Rome basically to its knees. I mean, they, in, 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 in Britain, they, they put the Roman Empire out simply because of their ambushing uh, guerrilla warfare tactics, and Rome couldn't handle them. Uh, and, and, and so they, they, they were a tough lot. Well, I'm going to tell you, you know, I used to tell my history class, I was cut up with them, I said, listen, if you ever wake up in the morning and you look out your window and Attila the Hun is on your front lawn, leave. Go out the back door, okay? I'm just cutting up with them. Uh, I mean, some of these groups were bad people. And so we're sending prophets now to bad people, okay? So it's not an easy task. When I said simple, I mean the instructions are absolutely without polish or fanfare. God said, I didn't call you to write the message. I didn't call you to change the message. I didn't call you to improve the message. I called you to deliver the message. Go to these people, drop your word, and leave it at that. Okay, and don't apologize for God. Don't apologize for what God said. And so, um, uh, uh, here they are, and, and, and that's what these prophets do. First uh, Kings chapter 20 verse 13, Behold, there came a prophet unto Ahab, king of Israel, saying, Thus saith the Lord. The prophet came to Ahab and said, Let me tell you what God said. And then he delivered that. Jeremiah 2, 2. Jeremiah said to, God said to Jeremiah, Go cry in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord. That's the message. Listen, that's the message. Thus saith the Lord. Ezekiel 3, 11, And go get to them uh, of the captivity, unto the children of thy people, and speak unto them, and tell them, Thus saith the Lord God. The thing that changes lives is not our words, it's His words. And here's the danger. The danger is in when we take liberties, and we want to add to, we want to add something to, we want to add burdens on people, okay? That's, that's, that's the danger. When, 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 we have the, when we have the Word of God, God has given us His Word, and we're, we are responsible, listen, we are responsible for obeying God and living out His Word. And then somebody steps up behind the pulpit and says, and by the way, I think you need to be doing this also. Where does that authority come from? Who gives you that authority? No, no, no. That, that's not God speaking. No, no, let's, let's take the book, okay? Now, I've got preferences I've got preferences. Everybody's got preferences, okay? I'm not, I'm not ashamed of my preference because that's what I prefer. But we become disingenuous when we present our preferences as though they were Scripture, okay? We can't, we can't do that. That's when we cross over a line and we add things to the Word of God, and, um, uh, and, and we can't do that. Now, now, jump back to chapter 1, Habakkuk. Everybody with me? Habakkuk. We're all in Habakkuk chapter 1. Watch this. The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. Wow. Think about that. Think about what he just said. The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. You know what you're waiting on? 
You know what you're waiting on? You're waiting to see what he saw. I mean, the, the, the burden which the prophet Habakkuk did see, son, he's fixing to throw a burden on us that is going to be astounding. We're going to see what God showed him. No, we ain't going to see none of that. None of it. Watch this. Watch this. Look in, look in, look in verse number 2. Okay, look in verse number 2. O Lord, how long shall I cry and thou wilt not hear? That's amazing to me. Here's what he's saying. Let me tell you what my burden is. Hey, God, why aren't you doing anything? So this book, listen to me. This, this, this book... This book is not about um, this book is not about a vision. Now we're going to we'll run into that a little later in the book. But he's not sitting here nailing Israel. Your priests have profaned themselves, and your prophets have lied, and your your princes have abused their position. And God said, "I'm." That's not what's happening here. What's happening here from the get go? He's got a complaint. And his complaint is this. You know, God, um, let me tell you my burden. Ready for this? Here's my burden. My burden is that you aren't doing what I think you should be doing right now. That's the book of Habakkuk. Now we're going to see, we're going to see there's a flow to this. And, 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 and the flow of the stream is going to change. But it's not going to change until Habakkuk registers his complaint, asks some questions of God, and God gives him some answers. Once that happens, then we see the, the flavor of the book begins to change. Oh Lord, how long shall I cry and thou wilt not hear? You're not even listening to me, God. Try, make this nice if you want to, but let's just read it as it's written, because God gave it to us. Um, even cry unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. You're not doing anything. You're not listening to me, and you're not changing a thing. Why dost thou show me? Why are you letting me see this? Why are you showing me iniquity, and, and you cause me to behold grievance and spoiling and violence there before me? Everywhere I turn, the people taking up strife and contention. Uh, and you know what? You know what, God? Nobody's obeying you. Nobody's listening to you. The law, therefore the law is slacked, and judgment doth never go forth, for the wicked that can pass about the righteous, therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. He's saying this, this is a mess, and I'm slap dab in the middle of it, and I don't see you doing a thing about it. It's exactly, it's exactly what he says. And he's saying, it seems God, with everything I'm saying that's wrong, you're letting it all slide. Now, let me give you some lessons, and during the lessons, we're going to walk our way through the book, Okay. So let me give you some things that we learn from this. First of all, we learn this. God understands our human frailty. Okay? That's, we just read it. Chapter 1, verse 1, 2, 3. Okay? There's more, there's more verses to come, but I mean, right from the get-go, he says, God, yeah, I, I, uh, uh, here's my burden. My burden, my burden isn't that, 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 that so much that Israel's in a mess. My burden is I don't see you doing anything about it. Now, I'm not suggesting to you that Habakkuk is flippant, because I don't think he was flippant. I think he was absolutely sincere. I believe that Habakkuk saw things and could not figure out why a holy... Later on, he'll say, you're pure. You're purer than that. How can you do this? 
this, this seems to conflict with your holiness. And, and so I don't think there's one ounce of insincerity in his words at all. Okay? And if you'll read this out, God never rebukes him. There's no rebuke. Well, why is there no rebuke? Because he's sincere. And God understands his frailty. And, and, and we're made privy to this discussion. You, you, know what, you, you, know, you know what we find? Chapter 1, verse 1, a disillusioned prophet. Well, prophets shouldn't be disillusioned. They're men of God. They're men of God. And, and they should not be disillusioned. They're above that. They're holy people. No, no, no. No, the reality of the matter is, is, is that we're all made out of the same cloth. We, 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 all are, we all are human, and we all are frail, and we can be disillusioned, and we can, like Habakkuk, become discouraged at what we see. And it's so much so that he questions what God is doing, or actually he's questioning what God is not doing. Okay? And so it's a, it's a, this is pretty profound. And rather than blasting Habakkuk, for unbelief, God answers him. Can I just say this? I hope that comforts you. I hope, that, I hope that's a comfort to you. Because we get the idea sometimes that God is a troll hiding under a bridge. And if he hears us crossing the bridge and we're actually questioning what's going on in the world, he's going to come out with a club and just beat the daylights out of us. Okay? He is the troll under the bridge of life. Um, um, an, ab an abrasive, unkind, mean-spirited God who will not even allow people of clay to act like they don't understand. No, he understands that we don't understand because he made us that way, and it ought to comfort us that God understands our human uh, frailty. By the way, who's the man after God's own heart? David. Read the Psalms. I don't have time to go through all of it. Read the Psalms. Let me give you a verse. Psalm 42, verse 9. Look there, if you want to. Psalm 42, verse 9. Here's what David said. I will say unto God, my rock. Watch this. I will say unto God, my rock. Blessed be thou, Lord. You are my God and my king. No, that's not what David says in Psalm 42, 9. I will say unto the Lord. Unto, he, listen to how he describes it. God, my rock. Let me tell you what I'm going to ask. I'm going to say to God, my rock. Uh, why hast thou forgotten me? Son, that's pretty bold. David said, God's my rock. Why have you forgotten me? Watch this. Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? You're not doing anything about this. David, listen to me. David felt like he could question God. In, in Psalm 10, verse 1, here's another great one. If you want to see men that were close to God and yet questioned God, here's another one in, in Psalm 10, verse 1. David said, Why standest thou afar off, O Lord? And why hidest thou thyself in times of trouble? God, I need you most, and I can't find you. Are you hiding from me? Would you pray that prayer? <laughs> God, uh, yeah, I can't find you. I don't know where you're at. I think you're hiding from me. You'd be afraid to pray that prayer. But David, just listen, listen to this. Um, uh, Psalm 88, verse 14. Here's another one. 
I'm just giving you verses of, of, of a guy that's got, he's, he's, he's a, a man according to God's own heart, and he's questioning God. Uh, Psalm 88, verse 14, Lord, why castest thou off my soul, and why hidest thou thy face from me? So here's the problem. People that get depressed and discouraged think that something's wrong with them, when the reality of the matter is, uh, David said, if I, could, if I could leave town and fly away, I'd do it. When Jonah sat uh, under a gourd and had a death witch, wish, when, when Elijah sat under a juniper tree and said, I wish I had never been born. Okay. So, so, so we make people feel like sometimes, oh, you question God. Yeah, Jesus did. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So I think that sometimes it would be better for us to be honest and get question, get, uh, present our questions to God, this is going to be shocking. I don't even know if I should do that. Grab hold of your children. Hold on to your wife. You ready for this? Listen to me carefully. God already knows your questions. Isn't it funny that we, I don't want to ask God that. He already knows it. If you're asking, he knows your thoughts, every one of them. So if you're questioning God in your heart, let me help you with this. He already knows what your questions are, you see. So why not just present them to him and say, now God, I, I, you, know, you, know, I, you, know, you know I'm thinking, I don't know why, why, why did this happen? Now look at me. You may have to live with the answer, not now. God knows why, but you may not be ready, and this may not be the time for God to give you the answer, so you might have to, you might have to live with some silence as far as to the specific reason why certain things happen. And that's why so many people blame God for everything that goes on. The prophet questions God uh, as to why he isn't doing something about the wickedness that's so rampant, and he feels as though his prayers are going nowhere. He, that, that's what he said. Uh, things continue to get worse and worse. But by the way, have you ever felt that way in the, in, in, in the world in which we live? Have you ever felt like, well, it's not getting better? Well, the Bible told us that, okay? Okay. Okay, a guy smoking a doobie on a beach somewhere in 1963 said the world was going to get better. The Bible didn't say that. That's, that's not in the Bible. Okay? That, that, that was a group of people that were high. And they were saying, we're ushering in utopia. The Bible said, men shall wax what? Worse and worse. That's scripture. Okay? So the idea... The idea that somehow man can usher in utopia is absolutely ridiculous. Not only can we not usher in utopia, we have made a mess of anything close to utopia that God gave us. The Garden of Eden was as close as we're getting. It was called paradise. And we blew paradise bad. And God said, get out. Okay, so man's not, going to, man's not going to improve this world. No, we, no, we got inventions. We, we got inventions, and, and I thank God for the medicine and the stuff like that. That you know, I've had things that people would have maybe died with or struggled with years ago. I'm glad for all, the, I'm glad for all the, of the progress we've made, but it seems like spiritually we're going backwards, not forward. Technologically, maybe, we're going forward. And so, let me give you a verse. 
Go to Hebrews 4. Everybody jump to Hebrews 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Everybody turn there, okay? If this isn't marked in your Bible, it should be, okay? Hebrews chapter 4. I want you to see something. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 15. Boy, what a great verse. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the, what? Feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Did you know this? And I know you know this. It's so much easier to talk with somebody that knows how you feel. Okay? They know how you feel. When I'm talking with somebody and, 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 and they tell me, I had a grandchild that passed away. There's a connection there that I can't describe, not because I don't believe anybody else has empathy and sympathy. I just know that they know. I know that they've been down a road that I've been down, and I understand that. People that have had open-heart surgery, if they come to me and say, um, Pastor, I've had open-heart surgery. Well, I've, I learned some things from people that's been through it, but I've never been through it. Okay? So, so I can't tell you what the first couple of days are like holding the pillow to your chest. I've seen my nephew do that, hold, holding the pillow to your chest while you cough or the, the, the bear they give you. I, I've never done that. I've seen it done, but I've never felt that. So I don't know what you're feeling. I, I may know a little bit about what you're going through, but I don't understand your feeling. Here's the great thing. Jesus is touched with the feeling of our infirmity. So when we go to him, as Habakkuk did, he knows how we feel. When Habakkuk said, it's a mess and nothing's being done. You don't, think, you don't think the Lord understood that? Sure he did. And so there's a comfort. There's a comfort in being able to go to the Lord and you know that he knows how we feel and he tells us so. Second thing I want you to notice is this, okay? Second thing, point number two, lesson, lesson we learned. God's timing, let that soak for a moment, God's timing is a part of His sovereign plan. God's timing is a part of His sovereign plan. Let me tell you this about God. God has never lost the handle. God, God has, God's never lost the handle. God's never looked down and said, well, I'll be. I never suspected that would happen. Curtis Hudson, great preacher from Georgia, used to make this statement. He said, has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? I love that. I, I love that statement. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing ever occurred to God? Okay. And so, so there's, there's um, uh, God's, God's timing is, is a part. Now, we just read it, okay? So I'm not going to read it again. But if you go to verse 5 and verse, through verse 11... Here's what God said to him. Um, I am doing something about it. Just not yet. It's just not yet. I am, I, am, I am going to do something about it. Okay. So you know what he tells him? Listen to me. He tells him this. I'm sending the Chaldeans. I'm sending the Chaldeans to punish the children of Israel for their wickedness. That's, that's what I'm going to do. They're, I, I, I'm going to do that. So in verse number 12... Look over in Habakkuk chapter 1. Don't, don't lose your place there. And, and look, look at verse number 12. Art thou not from everlasting, O Lord my God? 
mine holy one, we shall not die. Lord, thou hast ordained them for judgment. And almighty God, thou hast established them for correction. Thou art purer of purer eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. Wherefore lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously, and holdest thy tongue when the wicked devoureth the man that is more righteous than he? You know what he's saying here? Are you kidding me? Wait a minute. I was complaining. I was complaining that you weren't doing anything. Now you're telling me you're going to use the Chaldeans? Why? God, God, no, you're holy. Wait a minute, God, can I ask you this question? Why would you use somebody to punish somebody when the person that's being punished by the somebody is more holy than the somebody? Why would you do that? Why would you even look on them? God, of all people that ought to be punished, those, the Chaldeans, that is, the, you talk about a wicked nation. They're marauding, vile, wicked people. They're like the vandals. Okay, they're like the vandals. I mean, they're, they're, they, they brutalize people. I mean, they cut them from ear to ear. As you go to Babylon, as you go to Babylon, you, 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 find, the, you, you find the evidence scribbled on the walls of how wicked they were. It's, it's horrendous. And you're telling me that you're going to lose, use these people to um, punish the children of Israel? I can't believe you would do that. Now watch this. Watch this. Look, look in chapter 2. I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I'm reproved. So, so he, listen to me. He just says, you got to be kidding me. God, I can't, I, I, why would you do that? That makes no sense to me at all. And then he says, he pictures himself as a watchman. And he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get up on the wall. And I'm going to watch for what's coming. Because I know when it comes, I'm going to be reproved. This, the, yeah. God's going to pin my ears back. That's basically, that's basically his feeling about what's going to happen and expects he expects to be reproved now look look with me again let's go to chapter two again i hope you read this book how many of you are reading the books before i teach on them please don't raise your hand you'll discourage me chapter two all right look at verse two and the lord answered me and said write the vision I love this. Hey, okay, you got a lot of questions. Get your yellow legal pad out and grab a pen. I'm fitting to tell you exactly what I'm going to do. That's what God's saying. Write the vision and make it plain upon the tables that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for when? An appointed time. But at the end it shall speak and not lie, though it tarry, watch, Wait for it. You ever heard that phrase? Wait, wait, wait for it. If somebody will put a somebody will put something up where you know a guy's getting gored by a buffalo and they filmed it at at uh, which happens weekly nowadays. And uh, let me help you with this. This this will be something you don't get in normal churches. Don't pet buffaloes. Okay, just stop doing it. But anyhow, um, so and then they'll say they'll say wait for it. Okay, what are you waiting for? And then the buffalo gores the guy. And I'm like, wow, thanks. But anyhow, so, so here's, what, here's what God's saying. Okay, write this down. 
Because there's an appointed time when the guy that reads this better run. And, th and then he says, he, he, says, he says to them, but, but, but wait for it, okay? Uh, it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold, his soul is lifted up, is not upright in it. Behold, his soul in which is lifted up, uh, which is lifted up in him, is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. So here's what he's saying. Look, these people you're complaining about, judgment's coming to them. Here's Habakkuk. I, I can't believe you'd use these people. Now, I started out asking you, are you going to judge thy people? Now you're telling me you're going to use them to judge thy people. That, 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 that doesn't make sense. God, I can't figure that out. Why? And God said, write this down. Because here's, here's your problem. You think, because I'm using Babylon to correct Israel, that Babylon's sliding by. And God said, they're not sliding by. And then what God does, and this is fascinating to me, God's going to enumerate that. L let me take a moment and say this. Look at me. You know what Habakkuk's problem was? He had God in a box. And what we need is God in a book. Okay, The book is the Bible. Not a, not a box where you got God all figured out. Okay. God, God, you, know this, you know that God doesn't always work the way that we expect Him to? So, so here's a guy, here's a guy that, that comes to him and says, my daughter is dying. So he goes in the room and he tells everybody to get out. He takes her by the hand and she gets up. Well, that's, wow. That's, that's cool. That's great. Then there's a guy who comes and says, I'm blind. You know what Jesus does? He spits on the ground. What? He spit on the ground. He spit on the ground. Then he reached down and took the spittle mixed with the clay and put it in the guy's eyes. Well, why didn't he just say, see? You know what he's teaching us? He doesn't do it the same way every time. It all fits within the book, okay? But, but there are times he does things in a manner that might not quite seem according to protocol with us, okay? He doesn't have to always answer your prayer through the mailbox, okay? Doesn't always have to, doesn't have to always I call it mailbox religion. You pray for something, you go keep checking the mailbox every day. Well, it might not be a mailbox, he gives it to you. Maybe somewhere else. So God doesn't have to deliver by UPS or FedEx, okay? God can deliver his way. It's, remember this, it never contradicts the Bible ever. If it goes outside the book, it's not of God, okay? This is the filter. However, however, God doesn't always seek our approval, uh, for how he does things, maybe a, a little bit differently. So Habakkuk had God in a box, and, and, and here's what he didn't realize. He didn't realize that God knows the history of man better than man knows the history of man. You know why? Because he's dealt, he's dealt with kings and tyrants and military coups, assassinations and dramas down through the centuries of, of, of time since man sinned in the garden. I mean, these little guys, I mean, these, these little people, um, you know, Frederick the Great. You know anything about Frederick the Great? Hammurabi. You know anything about Hammurabi? 
Did you know that there are a million, it seems like, names of little guys with little bands and that, that felt like they conquered the world and, and there's Caesars and there's, there's peasants and there's, there's all these different, there's the, there's the Saxons and the Normans and all these different people that were scrapping and ruling. You know what? God knew all of them by name and knew the hairs on their head. And knew exactly what was going to happen. And, and can I help you with this? None of it took God by surprise. And God was always in control. And so here's, here's Habakkuk saying, I can't believe you'd use them. And God says, I've used worse. I've known worse. Don't ever forget that God took Nebuchadnezzar and used him to correct the children of Israel and then he turned around and corrected Nebuchadnezzar as he grazed in a field like an animal for a period in his life before he finally turned and realized who God truly was. He wasn't as, Nebuchadnezzar wasn't so stuck on Nebuchadnezzar when he came through the other side of his life as a cattle. Well, I'm, just, I'm just saying, he said the vision is for an appointed time. At the end of it, it shall speak. And it's not going to lie. Everybody will read it clearly. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not, it will not tarry. Let me ask you this, and then I've got to move my next point. Do you think our panic could possibly be a byproduct of us not trusting God? Have you ever, have you ever panicked? You ever felt panicky about a situation? I, I don't know. If I can, this seems like it's getting out of hand. But doesn't the scripture say, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path? Well, I've panicked before, and you have too. But I think that sometimes we forget that God is still on the throne, and that our trust must be in him. So here's Habakkuk, starts out, he's just disillusioned. And he's just saying, I don't understand. And then God said, well, no, no, no. Okay, it's all right. I just want you to know I am doing something. I'm sending the Chaldeans. What? You're sending the Chaldeans? Why would you do that? And then God said, I know exactly what I'm doing, Habakkuk. I'm in control of this. I know, I know what I'm doing. Now, let me give you number three, and let me do this quickly. Because I think, this is, I think this is a significant part of the message. If you go back and read the whole book of Habakkuk, this is number three. God is aware of everything going on around us. Okay. You get the idea when you read the book of Habakkuk, you get the idea that, that he feels like he needs to catch God up on the latest news of the world. And, you know, it, it's just sort of like, uh, hey, God, here's a news flash. Israel's in bad shape. And wait just a minute. This just in, Babylon is worse. And God says, really? Well, I wish you'd have told me that before I made these plans. No, no, God knew all of that to start with, and he knows more. He knows absolutely everything about absolutely everything, and he never needs to learn anything. Why? He's omniscient. And so here's what God does. God said, let me, l- let me help you with this, Habakkuk. I'm going to give you five reasons why I'm going to judge Babylon. I'm using Babylon to deal with Israel, but then I'm going to deal with Babylon because they're Babylon. And he lists five things. First of all, 
First of all, uh, uh, if you, you can go down through chapter 2 and read that, I'm going to judge them because they were robbing the weak. They're robbing the weak. Second reason I'm going to judge them is because they pride themselves as being untouchable. You see where, where he says there that they're going to, uh, you know, they exalt themselves as, uh, as eagles. And uh, they, they've, they've, uh, uh, they've, li they've lifted themselves up. Behold, the soul that is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live. And then he goes on down the line, and, and, and he talks about these people that are, uh, uh, that are uh, and, and every one of these are preceded by a woe. So you can, you can go through here, as you read down through the book of, um, go to verse number 6. Woe to him that increaseth that which is not his, how long? And to him that ladeth himself with thick clay. You know what happens when you cover yourself with clay? It dries, and you become less mobile. It slows you down, okay? Benjamin plays basketball, don't you, Ben? Okay, let's say, let's say before a big game, Eric says to Ben, hey, Ben, listen to me. I've got a pot of clay made up. I want to lay it on thick. And so he covers him from head to toe with clay. and says, just stand there a moment. I've got a blow dryer. I'm going to let it dry. You know what happens to Ben when he gets out on the court? He's slow. Why? Because he's laden. That's exactly what this is talking about. Whoa. They think they're getting by with us. No, 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 no. They're not. Okay? And, and, and so as you, as you read down through these woes, um, um, verse number 9, okay? Woe to him that uh, coveteth uh, an evil covetousness to his house, that he may set his nest on high, that he may be delivered from the power of evil. And so woe, verse 12, to him that buildeth a town with blood, okay? Uh, verse 15, woe to him that giveth his neighbor to drink. So, so what's happening here? God said, you, you know, they're, they're robbing the weak. They pride themselves like they're untouchable. They paid for the empire with blood, and they gave alcohol to others. Now, I want to just stop and say, say a moment right now. I don't know why today, I don't know why today we are so spiritually detached that we think somehow that God has removed all of the prohibitions that he placed upon alcohol, I don't understand that at all. And it came from a bunch of young preachers who, who never understood the effects of alcohol, and they grew, up, they, they grew up as a second or third generation Christians, and they don't understand what it's like to, to, have, uh, to have alcohol in a home and, and to, have, to have their home turned into a hell on earth because they got a mom and daddy that are given over to the, to the influence of alcohol. Now, I don't, look, it don't matter to me who likes it. I, it doesn't bother me in the least bit. I've read from cover to cover every verse in the Bible. I'm not trying to be arrogant, but I'm just telling you right now, I do not believe that alcohol enhances anybody. The pastor puts me to sleep, okay? Well, there's scripture about that. Okay. So we, we, I just think we don't need to turn to things that are, are so gratefully damaging in our culture and in our society. Chapter 2, look at it. Verse 15. Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink, that putteth the bottle to him and maketh him drunk also, that thou mayest look on their nakedness. And I understand all that leads into it. But you know what the Bible says? This is what the Bible says. The Bible says, wine is a mocker, strong drinking is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. God didn't say if you're deceived by wine, you're mocked. That's not what it says. God said, put a bottle of wine here, Put a bottle of strong drink here, and God said, I want to tell you something about this and something about this. See that? That's mocking. See that? That's raging. Okay. 
Now, I know that there are people in this world that, get, that, that, that are functioning and they do fine. I know that. But I also know that there's been a ton of people whose lives have been ripped apart because of a substance that I, I, I'm just telling you, it, there's a reason why Billy Sunday and Sam Jones and all those guys called it liquid damnation. There's a reason behind that. There's a reason why there was the women's temperance movement in England and in America. There's a reason why. There's a reason why when I give an invitation at a summer camp after preaching on the evils of alcohol that the altars are literally cram-packed with, with teenagers making a vow of abstinence because they've seen it in their home and adults that come up to me and say, would to God I had heard that. My dad was an alcoholic. I've, in, in all of the camps I've preached over all the years, I always deal with alcohol at some point, if it's a new camp, and this is, this is, I've never had one person come up to me and say, Pastor Dean, I disagree with you on that. Alcohol has enhanced my life, and it's made my home much better. But I've had a ton of people come up to me and say, it has wrecked my life. And my dad, and my mom, and there's such a sad story over it. So I don't know why I don't know why we've allowed people to talk us out of a position that 50 years ago every single human being, almost without fail, that called themselves a Christian understood that alcohol and the Bible do not coordinate. Now, you don't have to agree with me on that. You have a right to be wrong. Now, here we go. The last reason why, number five, is because of idol worship. Okay, if, if the, that, that fifth woe, that fifth woe. See, so God's just, here, here's Habakkuk saying, I don't think you know what's going on. And God said, <laughs> I know exactly what's going on. I know everything that's going on. And so he, he gives him verse number 19, Woe to him that saith to wood, awake, and to the dumb stone arise, and it shall teach. God said, look at what you're doing. This is ludicrous. You're, you're, you're talking to wood and stone? Now, let me help you with this. Our God today ain't wood and stone. It's fiberglass, and plastic, and metal. But it's God's nonetheless. We may carry it in our wallet, in, in, in our back pocket. It may be called MasterCard, or Visa, or Discover. It may be parked in our garage. Okay. It may be something that takes us out of our worship for God. Listen to me. It may be something that's highly respectable and nothing sinfully wrong with it until we allow it to start dictating our worship and our life. And it's getting harder. There was a day and a time when no sports league at all, at least back in Georgia, that's all I can speak for, ain't nobody play ball on Wednesday night. You know why? Because Wednesday night was church night. It's Bible study night. Nowadays, people are like, you, you still have Bible study on Wednesday night? I have, I have Christian people say, y'all go to church on Wednesday night? And I'm like, yeah, there was a time when everybody went to church on Wednesday night. There was a midweek service, a midweek Bible study. Okay. Let me say this. You're making a statement to your children by priorities. When we went on vacation, my children will identify this how they respond to it, it's their business it's just my i just got to give them i just got to give them the example i was in church on, on sunday we went to church 
If there was a church nearby, we went to church. Because on Sunday, that's where you're supposed to be. So my kids will tell you, every vacation we ever went on, Sunday morning, we were in church somewhere. Why? Because there's nothing more important to me on Sunday morning than church. It's just, it's just the way it is. Now, let's close. For the next 20 minutes, let's close. Here we go. Let me close with this. Look at me. Let's rejoice. Here, let me just say it this way. We should rejoice in the Lord, not in judgment. Okay? We should, we should rejoice in the Lord, not in judgment. Look at, look at chapter 3. So, so now here's what God has said to him. All right? Everybody watch me. Look at me for a moment. Then we'll go, we'll go there. Look at me. He said, God, I, don't, I can't believe. Why, why would you do that? And God said, no, no, no. No, listen to me. Um, write this down. Because at the appointed time, judgment will fall and let him that reads what you write down run. Let him run. Because woe, 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 woe. You know, I'm using Babylon, but there's five woes coming to Babylon. And here are the five reasons why. When he got through with that, Habakkuk's jaw is dropped, his eyes are big. And in chapter 3, verse 2, this is what he said, O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years make known, watch this, in wrath, remember what? Mercy. You know what he started out praying for? Wrath. Yeah, have you ever... <laughs> have you ever... Um, don't answer this, please, out loud. Um, have you ever wanted somebody to get their just dues so bad um, that you had the celebration cake in the freezer already cut into slices? <laughs> you know? Have you ever so wanted somebody to get their just dues that you're like, son, I cannot wait on that day. And when it comes, we're going to celebrate. Okay. Well, you know what the book of Proverbs says? Rejoice not, chapter 24. Well, turn there because you, you ought to mark this down. Proverbs chapter 24. Go to Proverbs chapter 24. This is a good one. You ought to write it down. It'll help you. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 17. Rejoice not when thine enemy falleth, and let not thine heart be glad when he stumbleth. Why? Lest the Lord see it, and it displease him, and he turn away his wrath from him. You know what he's saying there? Let God deal with people, not you. And then remember that he said over and over, um, vengeance is mine. Leave that alone. Don't touch it. You're, you're trespassing. Get off my property. God said, get off my property. Get off my property. That's not yours. Get off my property. Vengeance is my hometown. I'll deal with this when it needs to be dealt with. There's something carnal in our nature to where we rejoice when somebody's really got their ears pinned back and they're nailed. And, and, and they may deserve it. But let God determine that, okay? Let, let, let God determine that. Jesus said, you know, you've heard that it has been said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But here's what I want to say to you. Love your enemies. 
Bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, who makes his son, his son to shine on the just, on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. And then he went on and said, If you love those that love you, what thank have you? What thank have you? It's easy to love. It's easy to love people. Okay? It's easy to love people that love me in return. It's people that don't love me, that I struggle with. Okay? But I'm supposed to bless them, do good to them, pray for them, and love them. Those are my four responses. So now all of a sudden Habakkuk, who started questioning God as to what appeared to be a, a lack of judgment, you know what he's doing now? He's calling for mercy. Okay, God, I understand. I get the picture now. Wrath's coming, but I'm afraid. That's what he said. I'm afraid. Here's my new prayer. In wrath, please, dear God of heaven, remember mercy. In wrath, Remember why? Because if God deals only in wrath, we all are consumed. You and me included. D.L. Moody held a meeting in which a man stood up to lead in prayer. And as the man bowed his head, this was his prayer. Oh God, he thundered, give us justice. Give us justice, O oh God. As soon as the man uttered those words, Moody started his own prayer and broke into the man's prayer. And he said, oh no, dear God, give us mercy. Give us mercy. It's really easy for us <laughs> to ask for judgment for others. But isn't it funny? When we've crossed the line, we just really want mercy. And we ought to do unto others as we would have them do unto us. It's a great book. I love the book of Habakkuk. Because here's a guy that's just so honest. And I thank God for a book like this. Because all of a sudden, he's not, he's not going out to a people saying, let me tell you what God told me to tell you. No, he's saying, God, I don't understand any of this. And that helps me. It, it helps me. And uh, it, 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 it's, this is a, this is, if there's a transparent book in the Bible, Habakkuk is it. Utterly transparent, I'm grateful for it. Father, we love you. Thank you for this day and this book and this man. We thank you for his transparency and his honesty. God, I pray you'll give us a great week. Give us a great Sunday this Sunday. I pray that as your word is spoken, uh, dear God, that hearts and lives would be touched. Thank you for the way you worked in hearts this past Sunday. We're grateful for, for, for that, and we, we give you praise. Bless us, Lord, as only you can. In the name of Jesus, we ask these things. Amen.